Hello, this is Melissa Hale Spencer, the editor of the Altamont Enterprise, and we're here today with Richard Tolner, who is in kind of a rat race before the budget deadline in New York, because he has become a spokesman for a group that's called New Yorkers Against Hidden Predators. Our readers know him because he's from Rensselaerville and is very active there. He's the GOP chairman and has been the assessor. So welcome, Richard. Thanks, Melissa. Glad to be here. I'd like to start with just hearing a little about this group. Could you just tell us how you got involved and how many people there are? And Sure. Um, New York's Against Hidden Predators is a group that's about two or three years old. It's a successor group to a number of us that have been pro bono lobbying at the New York State Senate and Assembly for about a decade. Um, the purpose of the group is to remind folks of the Child Victims Act. Here in New York State, which is one of the states that has some of the worst statute of limitations for reporting child sex abuse, for example, if a child is abused, most children don't come to terms with what happened to them until their adult years, when they get married, when they have a baby. For most people, that's 25, 30, 35, 40. And as a result, by the time they come to grips with wanting to discuss it and do something about it, in New York State, the statute of limitations is only age 23. Therefore, anybody wanting to like out their abuser is time-barred by the New York State statute of limitations, whereas many of the surrounding states to New York, um, the statute of limitations now go to age 40, 48, 50, even lifetime. Therefore, we're trying to get more information out to the public to realize that New York State is falling way behind with their statute of limitations reporting on child sex abuse. And the, the act that's tied to the budget, which has a deadline of tomorrow, would extend that criminal age for prosecution to 28 and civil 50, age 50, is that right? That's correct. And how, how did you personally get involved in this cause? Um, when I was younger, I was sexually abused when I was 15 and 16, reported it, nothing was done, reported again, nothing was done. And just tell us a little, sure. who did you report it to? Um, I was in um, you know, high school prep school, it was a minor seminary, and was abused by one of the priests there, reported it. Nothing was done. Reported again. I was told that something would be taken care of, and nothing happened. And reported it a third time. Nothing happened. Fast forward. And what year? What year? Oh, this was would this? be uh, 1975, 1976, and I reported it in 1977. So this was before the Boston Globe had done its big expose, sure. and people were kind of living with this quietly and Precisely. separately. Yeah. See, back then, we were, most people were trained like, you know, don't discuss it, it might be embarrassing, aren't you embarrassed, maybe it's your fault. Whereas today, it's not anybody's fault. I'm not the bad guy. I never was the bad guy. And that's why I reported it back then and have continued to pursue. So back then, you were how old, did you say? When I reported it, 17. And when had it happened? When I was 15 and 16. So that's such a tender age in anyone's life because you're discovering your own sexuality at that age and you're figuring things out about who you are in the world and how you fit in with everything else. Did it, did it, if you were someone that was brave enough then to step forward, um, did it scar you? Um, did your parents believe you? Were there people around you that supported you? Or how did that unfold? Well, the interesting part is is I didn't tell my parents. And the, the, the person that sexually abused me was the person who told me my father had died. Um, he was a priest. And when my father died in a, in a 
car crash at work. Um, this was the person who told me that my father had died. And at that point, I was so, I guess the word, you know, going inside, just being very quiet about everything. I didn't discuss it with anybody. And for years, it was on my mind. It affected who I was in a way of it affected my confidence. It, it affected my opinion of people. It, it affected my, well, in a sense, it affected my sexuality because I wasn't certain, you know, was this my fault or is it a problem? And I realized it. The incidents and what happened wasn't my fault, so that helped me. And my parents raised me right. And so, in a matter of a few years, as I became an adult by my early twenties, I realized this is not my fault. I should tell some more people about it. I should do something about it. So I actually called friends who knew this person and, and warned so the them. The abuser was just one single person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. one person. And I, I reported him to the people he worked with. I reported to people who were working with him, etc. And did they simply not believe you, or they didn't want to make waves? They just didn't want to make waves. They just, you know, let it go, and this person ended up, you know, in a sense, being an important person. He then eventually went to law school, where he ended up being an attorney that handled sexual abuse cases for the Catholic Church for decades. Is he still alive? Father Alan Palaka is still alive. And... Has he been charged with anything? In um, 2006, I went to the Catholic Church here locally in the Diocese of Albany and requested a canonical penal trial through Bishop Howard Hubbard's office, whom you remember had his own issues. Yes, I And do. spent seven to $800,000 exonerating himself through church funds. And what happened here is that the trial that I was told that would take six weeks ended up taking three years and two months. But it did go to trial? It did went to trial. And in the end, the church found um, insufficient evidence to address Father Plack as being a sexual abuser. But during the trial, they forgot to call certain witnesses. They forgot to call certain victims. They changed the locations of their meetings with one of the other victims. That was my supporting witness and supporting victim. I so there were other times. victims? From oh, sure. There, there's a good number of victims that are out there now that have voiced that they were sexually abused. But the church decided to not pursue it. So how did that make you feel? You can expect. I have very low expectations of the Catholic Church to come through. It didn't affect my faith, my, my problems with the employees, not the company. Um, I still hold my faith. I sit on a church board for many, many years now. I still go to church. I still believe in God. It's a matter that a priest failed me, not the Catholic Church. But they chose to ignore me. And in the end, when the decision was made, they called the press before they have never contacted me. They never even told me what the decision was. And when I asked for it, they said, call the other diocese. And when I contacted the other diocese where the abuse had taken place, they said, call Albany, New York. So, so they've never taken responsibility. You were for just the given the runaround. And yes, yeah, certainly. I can see that why that would make you an activist. Um, and determined. Yeah. So one of the groups that's against this act is the Catholic Church. Another is the Boy Scouts. Do Correct. you just have any thoughts on, I mean, they're <laughs> probably they're afraid of more notoriety, well, lots the, of money having to be. Literally. Um, the What they're most afraid of, Cardinal Dolan just last week called folks like myself as toxic to the Catholic Church and having the ability to strangle the works of the Catholic Church. 
See, the stats are already in. This law that we're going for here in New York is already passed in eight states. California, Idaho, Minnesota, Delaware, Hawaii, to name a few. And in all of those states, no Catholic diocese or even sections of the Catholic Church have gone into bankruptcy. None of them have had severe financial issues. What Cardinal Dolan and the Catholic Church is basically afraid of is what undiscovered information that the public doesn't know yet is in the files of the Catholic Church. There hasn't been much of any DA's offices calling on the Catholic Church with search warrants. That has since changed just last week in Minnesota. Um, a bishop's home was um, search warranted for information. A number of cases like that have happened in Minneapolis. It's now occurring in Philadelphia area. I believe it's Philadelphia and also in different counties in Pennsylvania. Throughout Pennsylvania right now, numerous DA's offices are doing some serious investigations of Catholic dioceses there. So the situation in New York is the governor's behind this. It's part of his budget. Yes. The Assembly has passed a very similar bill before, bipartisan support. It's the Senate that's holding it up, and it's just simply that the bill won't come to the floor. Is that... The premise is his word on the street. I mean, remember, you know, folks like myself and my, you know, two or three dozen co-lobbyists that all are, you know, working basically pro bono for the last 10 years, is the senators are telling us, you know, we would vote for it, we would be for it, we would advocate for you. And, and Senator Hoylman has, and uh, Andrea Stewart's cousin has, and Senator Tim Kennedy from Buffalo, as well as a goodly number of other senators who are giving verbal endorsements and a majority of the New York State Assembly. But there's a number of Republican senators Basically, um, Senate Majority Leader Flanagan. Uh, sorry, Flanagan. Thank you. Um, and in turn, um, Senator Lanza, Senator Young are also against this. So, by preventing the bill from coming to the floor, they prevent it from being voted on. And it's interesting because the only people that basically are coming out against the bill are these large private organizations that stand to lose their reputations and/or a goodly amount of money, or so they claim. When you look at the facts and figures. Um, state of California, which is twice the size of New York, the, the total settlements didn't even affect any of the diocese even to consider bankruptcy. But yet when Cardinal Dolan found out that he was going to lose in Minnesota, um, it had been set up years before he was there to move assets over into a cemetery fund and try to claim that they were going to be forced into bankruptcy. There's been no forced bankruptcies in any Catholic diocese in the United States of America, and there's only basically two that have been looked at, and they're both voluntary. And in the one case, the, the courts threw out the voluntary bankruptcy because there wasn't enough financial stress to even claim the idea or the actuality of bankruptcy. And it seems, and you would know this probably better than anyone, it seems a lot of getting justice isn't necessarily about the money. It would be <laughs> to have a time in court to hear, have people the public acknowledge what happened to you. I assume the kind of thing that you saw with the, you know, through the church trial system. Certainly. But just talk a little about what justice would mean. And do you fall under the age limit that you could still bring charges? Not the 28, I can see that, well, but the 50. It, yeah. Interestingly enough, right now, um, the three major dioceses in New York City have offered a independent reconciliation compensation program called an IRCP, headed by Ken Feinberg, formerly of the White House. Ken took care of the One Fund Boston, um, you know, monies coming out, the Pulse nightclub coming out, and some of the 9-11 funds. Um, I, I applied to see what they would say, and Mr. Feinberg replied back to me that the church believes that my 
claim was unsubstantiable based on the canonical penal trial here in Albany, so he would not have a conversation with me. But what would it mean if the Child Victims Bill Act passed? Yeah, I mean, if you were able to go through the, not the church judicial system, but the United States judicial system with your case, you know, what what would you hope to come out of it? What would it do for a a victim of this kind of abuse? A victim or someone like myself is, is a sense of justice and finding out the complete truth. There's a lot of information that I'm aware of having collected the information and testimonies and relationships with hundreds upon hundreds of sex abuse victims from both the Catholic Church, the Olympic teams, the Boy Scouts, Little Leagues, and a majority of your sex abuse victims, basically only 4% of your sex abuse in the United States is clergy. And these are facts and figures. I'm not quoting from my own records, but the John Jay study in New York City and the FBI statistics since 1950. That I'm thrilled to have had that statistic put on the table here because that's surprising. There's so much more publicity around the church and the clergy, four percent. So, that's all. Yeah. How? How? As long as you have the data at hand, how does it divide up elsewhere? What are the other percentages sure. that are? Well, we, you know, we talk high. about stranger danger. Um, you'd be shocked to find out that stranger danger is probably four or five percent. Majority of your sex abuse victims is a close family family member and or a trusted family confidant, the next door neighbor, a relative, the coach, a teacher at school, et cetera, et cetera. See how sex abuse works with children. It's not like an attack. It's more of developing and grooming that child for a relationship so they do not realize due to the immaturity and the trust in the person to end up having uh, a sexual relationship of any type with the perpetrator. And is that what happened to you, a sort of grooming process? Because it seems to me that would make it even harder because it would be someone that you loved and trusted and you'd have to be separating the wrong things that person had done out from the things that you valued. A lot of victims don't even realize that it was criminal until years, decades later when they realize that, oh my gosh, that, that was not only wrong, but it was criminal because think of the maturity of a child who's 8 years old, 12 years old, 16 years old. They don't exactly have all their adult functions. Obviously, they're not mature enough to understand what's going on. They haven't completed developing their own sexuality. And their brains aren't developed. I know that from Literally doing correct. research when they were you know, raising the age. Thank goodness they did in New York. But, you know, just now with brain scans, scientists can actually see things that are different in your brain when you're younger. Correct. Yeah. So that with that process, victims, basically, it's a victimology type circumstance. They, they get groomed, they start acting on these things, they go through it. And at a certain point, either the abuser stops and moves on to the next victim. I mean, what a lot of folks don't understand is people who are abusing children under the age of 18 over their lifetime can have usually about 100 victims per abuser. I mean, if you think about it, there's a doctor in Delaware that has over a thousand abuse cases against him. Larry Nasser was over with 120 victims with the Olympic teams. Um, we, we've seen cases of little league coaches, baseball coaches, scout masters and all basically abusing kids year after year after year after year. I mean, Sandusky is a good example of a serial pedophile. These aren't people that are, you know, berserk or crazy or such they're people who they're predators who practice their craft and as a result over the decades that they get away with this 
they basically uh, know how to work the system. I actually know of one person, the first time he got arrested, he was 83 years old. Family never knew anything. And after he died, I had people come up to me and tell me, oh, yeah, right around World War II, he did this. Boy, in the 1950s, he did that. And someone else would tell me, 1960s, oh, this is what happened. And I said, why didn't we ever discuss this? Oh, well, we didn't discuss it back then. If you're listening to this podcast right now, and thank you for doing so, but understand, if you know someone that this has happened to or it's yourself, tell someone you trust. Tell a family member. Tell a teacher. Tell a parent. Tell a policeman. Tell someone. Because you're not the only one. There's so many people out there that think it's, this couldn't be happening to anybody else because of the way things are going or the way the other person is behaving. Honestly, virtually every single time, anybody I've met through the last 40 40 years I've been, you know, talking about this to people and more 15 years professionally on air, in programs, at events. Never had someone say, I found out I was the only one. They always say, once I realized it and I started talking about it, there's always others. And this is why the Child Victims Act is so important because right now I'm not supposed to out my abuser. The only reason why I can is it's already been investigated. It's already been identified by the media. There already are other folks out there. What do you mean you're not supposed to? Well, imagine someone out there making a sudden claim against a famous person or uh, a local politician or a business owner. If there's no substantiation, that person could basically intend to sue for defamation of character. We see it in politics. We see it in show business. You know, the folks in the press see inklings of it. We always hear about libel claims or, you know, someone went too far in describing something. It seems like the Me Too movement, though, is kind of lifted that exactly um, well the cat's out of the bag now yeah i mean if you think about it um i'll give you six words suffragettes okay civil rights gay rights marriage equality sex abuse and times are changing oh wait a minute there was a time when suffragettes you know women didn't deserve a vote now it would be insane to think that women should not be respected with their voting civil rights People of all color and stuff like that. It was an accepted practice many, many decades ago. When America finally learned what was right and wrong, and we fixed that. Same thing with gay rights, marriage equality. Well, now there's another group that we took for granted and didn't fully respect and didn't fully look at, and that's children and their care. I'm not saying people were wrong or bad all these years. We never gave it as deep of a thought or to the value of it until now. I mean, nowadays, I mean, we don't let kids go anywhere if they, if they don't have their cell phone with them at age 8, 10, 12. Okay, you and I are a little bit older than that. Uh, when you were a kid, you know, you went down the street and came back in a couple of hours, okay? We didn't lock our doors when we were younger, and we certainly dropped the kids off at the neighbor's house. Now we'd be like, let's vet the neighbor, let's find out who knows them, et cetera, et cetera. We're being more cautious, and it's a good thing. But each of those things that you ticked off on your fingers, I feel like they're still entrails or, yeah, women have the vote, but are we equal, you know, when you get into sure. equal pay and treatment? And yeah, the Civil Rights Movement, there was the Voting Act, but really I just this week wrote about this great sense of discrimination that um, Sharon Morgan carries and wrote a book about called Gather It gathering at the table, looking at how her family roots in slavery have influenced her. So, I mean, all those things still have, everything is not an even playing field. Totally but, agree. Yeah, but this, 
act, if it goes through, would be a start. It would be similar to the right, right to vote. or Precisely. That. It will put into law something which is a law in itself, is a public statement about how a society feels, but you'd still probably have a lot of work to do as an advocate to, <laughs> to keep, keep the equality, trying to, make, trying to make things more equal, I guess. Precisely. I mean, what you're talking about is momentum. We need to respect women as much as possible in any ethnic group, anybody, based on religion or where they're from, et cetera, and people's rights for their, their sexuality or choices. It's always going to be worked on forever because there's not 100% of our planet's going to understand. But if we don't speak out, if we don't report, if we don't warn, we're not heading in the right direction. That's why we are speaking out. That's why you have the Me Too movement. That's why you have our advocacy group. That's why people like myself and many others are, are calling on our local senators and assembly to follow through. I mean, for example, here, I mean, we've visited George Amador offices a, a number of times and reminded Mr. Amador of his ability to vote for the Child Victims Act. Okay. He's a Republican. He's a senator. He's a very good senator. He's served this local community quite well. What, he what's takes, his stance on it, on the act? His stance is he's making all the considerations. But he has not come out against it, and he has not stalled. I'm wondering if there's other folks that are asking him just to remain polite about the subject matter rather than come out for it. Because there seems to be a consensus in some of the Republican caucuses out there that um, they don't want to vote for it. You go down to Long Island, the, the senators come right out and say, no, thank you, we, you know, we're against it. And, or there's going to be a thing about false claims and people are going to lose money. In the state of California, with 36 million people, there was five false claims. Five yeah. out of 36 yeah. millions. And how do you know they're false claims? They obviously were proven false. And remember, with the, this law, people out there worried about either false claims or their church being harmed. Every single victim has to go to court and prove his or her case without beyond a shadow of a doubt. We're not talking just, you know, you jump up and down and, and scream and yell and say, hey, I was harmed, I was harmed. You have to come in, names, dates, facts, figures. You have to come in just like any court case. I mean, if, if someone sexually abused you yesterday and you went to the police station today, they'd say, prove it. Well, I was sexually abused 40 years ago. They're still going to say the same thing. Prove it. So I still have to have witnesses, dates, data, back up other victims. It's, it, there's, there's no difference in these people, you know, getting a popular movement. I mean, the Me Too movement and all the things that's happening in Hollywood and with women out there today, let alone kids, everybody still has to prove their case. Yeah. One, one case at a time. Well, there's a Quinnipiac, is that how you say it? University sure. poll that shows 90% of New Yorkers favor this act. And you're a Republican, dyed yeah. in the wool. Why is it you think that the Republicans are... If the majority, the vast majority, and that's hard to get a 90% call on a, a piece of legislation, want this, what do you think is the Your New York City area Republicans have a, a close-knit relationship with church leaders. Yeah. And therefore, they think that the influence of the church is more valuable than their constituency. But as you pointed out, 40, only 4% of those cases are from the church. So they have a vast other constituency that they're sure, serving. Right. Well, if you look in the press today, do you see anybody from you know, any industry or line of work or other religions demanding that this be stopped or slowed down or impeded? 
there isn't any. I mean, yeah. there, there literally isn't any. A few organizations around the United States regionally have said, wow, you know, if we have an issue with this, uh, we, we could really get hit here in our office in this area, this region. But like any national organization, you know, like a Red Cross or a UNICEF or a Peace Corps or any other church, none of them are claiming that, you know, they're going to be ruined or harmed. The only exception is Cardinal Dolan. Even other Catholic, you know, cardinals and bishops around the United States are actually promoting this style of legislation in their home territories and in their own dioceses. New York stands to lose the most because it's apparent by the record-keeping and by the history that you can find on bishopaccountability.org, which is the FBI's website of choice for verifiable quality claims. FBI is quoted saying that the site that they would rely on the most for its quality and veridity is bishopaccountability.org. And if you go there, you'll find that the New York City area diocese basically have the most highest quantity of predators and perpetrators. Likely, it's by deduction only that they were allowed to continue their craft rather than be outed. There's some very good bishops in the United States. I've met them. I've talked to them. I've complimented them. for They did their job correctly, Catholic, Episcopalian, Protestant, Lutheran, otherwise. But in the New York City area, it seemed to be more proliferate. One of the things I love that you did earlier in this podcast is you talk directly to people that may be listening and have themselves suffered this kind of abuse. And I wonder... Since you're somebody who, to an outsider, appears to have lived a very full and happy life, just before we started, you were telling me good news on your wife, and I just wonder if you could just kind of talk to them about how you overcame this abuse and how you've made your life what it is. Sure. I give my parents the credit, but it comes down to something this simple. If you were going to work today and you were in a rush and you just barely got a cup of coffee and everything was going wrong at home and you're running out of the house at the last minute and you get a flat tire, some people are like, ah, you know, that really is going to ruin my whole day. It is similar to what happens to us the most with sex abuse. Sex abuse is a horrible thing. Some people never get over it. They're crushed. They're ruined. They don't understand things. They're angry. They can't get out of it. What I've asked folks who have been sexually abused is... You have two choices, suffer or move forward. Now, they're both a lot of work because suffering is something that you think can't go away. It's like a wound, like a divorce, a ruined relationship. We were referring to my wife um, who had cancer, who's basically very, very healthy. She's four and a half years into complete remission. And she's super healthy. Thank you, doctors at Albany Medical Center. And thank you, New York (laughs) Oncology Hematology. But those people out there that have this, this pain, this suffering, this damage, pretend that no one in the world can help you. What are you going to do? Are you still going to suffer or do you want to move forward? Move forward a little bit at a time. Move forward at a pace that you can heal. Make up your mind that in a matter of two, three, four, five years, when I finish high school, when I get out of college, by the time I'm 25, that I'm going to be whole again. Someone tried to take you from you. And, and, and sex abuse is soul murder. It's like who we are, our essence and our personality, our character, our strength. Someone tried to take that from you. Take it back. You don't have to ask. You don't have to demand. You don't have to jump up and down and scream. 
you have to decide where you need your help. You need to talk it out, talk it out. You need just to go collect yourself and start doing easy, peaceful things, fine. You need to work out who you are, work it out. But you have two choices, suffer or try to go forward. And I think going forward is a good idea because there's people out there who have been sexually abused. They don't talk as much to their family. They don't talk as much as their friends. They withdraw from society. Those are people that lose a piece of themselves because they don't know what to do. I'm asking anybody who doesn't understand that to try it. Just be a little bit more open. Be a little bit more kinder. Trust someone. Tell someone. And you should always tell someone because if you don't tell someone, all the pain is yours and you can't start healing. As soon as you tell one person, you realize it's not your fault. You reported it, whether it's to family member, spouse, someone you trust, teacher, policeman. You're on the way to healing. And a lot of abuse victims that I've met, seriously, more than half, they have very normal lives because they realize I have to work my way through that. It's, and everybody's journey is different. But regardless of what, it's hard, very hard, incredibly hard. But your journey, as you call it, had such a rough start because you said you didn't tell your parents, right. who were good parents and brought you up in a way that you're who you are. Right. You didn't tell them. And then when you went to the people that should have helped you, they ignored it. So right. how did you get through that? that I only had teenage- two choices every time something bad happened. Suffer or move forward. I've had other bad things. I mean, I lost a sister to cancer. I've had other bad things happen to me. And every time I have something bad happen to me, I decide I I can suffer or I can move forward. I'm not doing anything different than some of our leaders have done, our sports figures have done, presidents of the United States have done, our our heroes have done to get to where they had to get. I think you think of all... Um, these Olympians who train for, you know, four years, eight years, 12 years to go for the Olympics and or people who strive very hard to develop major million-dollar corporations, even self-employed business owners, they make up their mind that I am going to work excessively hard to get to this plateau. And that plateau is the one they pick. It's a regular one. It's a major one. It's a gigantic one. For some friends of mine, they're like, I've met one guy who said, the other thing I want to do is go on a date and not be nervous. He's 40 years old. Okay? I mean, you know, that's how it works is you decide that you can help yourself. You decide that you can talk about this. You decide that there is a way to start healing. Everybody heals at a different speed. Some people heal quickly. Some people heal normally. Some people heal slowly. Well, what's interesting to me about what I've just learned about you is I would think the tendency when you were hurt by a priest who represents the church, and you did very glibly have your answer, you know. It's, you know, just this one priest, the company, not the, what was your phrase? Well, yeah, my problem but is with how, the employees, not yeah, the company. Yeah, not the company, there we go. But how you still have, a, you know, a deep and abiding Catholic faith, and also, uh, you must be able to separate out somehow in your mind what you think of as soul murder with right, sure. um, what you see as good in the church. So right. any hints there? Yeah. Well, name someone who wants to hurt and suffer. None of us do. But some of us think on any subject, 
okay? You know, someone who lost their house in a fire, they'll never get all their family memories back again and get things collected. Or someone who loses a friend or a family member or a spouse to, spouse to death, they, their life will never be the same. No, not true. It, it's not going to be the exact same. I, I can't say that the, the harm that was done to me and the damage that was done to me hasn't affected me, but I will not let it hurt me. I still had to fix it. I still had to gather up myself. I still had to figure out things about myself. I asked for help. I've gone to help quite a bit. But I know from the examples from other people before me, what my parents taught me, that I, I can get better. And in my case, I'm one of the fortunate ones because um, I've gone through life and said, you know, I, I've been in business and I've had good times and bad times in business. And when I had a bad time, we used to laugh about it because, you know, I mean, what happened to me was big. So having a bad day at the office, which was, you know, medium size, I'm like, oh, what the heck? It's a bad day at the office. Or it's that flat so tire. So you made it tonight. into something that was just inured you to any other sort of disappointments. Well, you know yeah. what? What doesn't kill us makes us stronger. And every time these people out there would deny me, I just work harder. I mean, I've. I've testified in three or four, let's see, two or three states and been all over the place just talking about this all pro bono. No one pays for any of my expenses. I won't even let them if they tried. And it comes down to if there's someone else out there that can help help you, let them help you. And you don't have to talk to people. You just have to understand that if other people can heal, so can you. And if other people talked about it, so can you. And if other people just told one person, so can you. I mean, that, that's the whole point of this is I can't change someone's past, but I can help affect their future. And that's what it comes down to. And we're giving people hope fairly. We're giving people the right to say, hey, you're not the bad person. And that's, and that's the whole purpose of the, the Child Victims Act is if you think about it, here's the, the, the most horrible part of this act. Right now, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of sexual predators in the capital region, let alone upstate New York, let alone New York State, that have never been on a sexual, sexual offender registry. Their companies never fired them because they found out, or their communities never started shunning them or kicking them out because they heard about it. And there's, there's and hundreds of thousands of victims repeat, out repeat, there that repeat. know about that person, that man, yeah. that woman, whomever, and they can't talk about it because of New York State's laws. So if this doesn't pass this time around, you just pick up the pieces and try again next year? Is that oh, how No, we've already works? got plans for April 24th. What are those? If the New York State Senate doesn't pass the Child Victims Act now inside of Governor Cuomo's bill, there's uh, a, 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 what I call like a midterm election right. of two of the Democratic leaders that would shift possibly the balance of the New York State Senate. And the Democratic side of the Senate has volunteered to put the bill on the floor. Once this bill hits the floor, all these those, are the breakaway senators. Uh, that are, the breakaways okay. and some of the main body of the Democrats. Okay. okay. So the neat thing is, is if it doesn't get through right now, we're still optimistic, even as right while this conversation is taking place, all those three men in a room or four men in a room or hopefully 34 or 63 men in a room uh, are doing their thing. We still have a backup plan. We're already calling on senators. We are already meeting them. We, we, we went out to uh, Senator Flanagan's home last, last week at 7 o'clock in the morning to remind him of his responsibility that he needs to stop protecting predators. How See, did that go? Uh, went great for us. Uh, the, the, the senator was most upset that people showed up at his home. We didn't disturb his family. We did not disturb his neighbors. We made the point that 
you have to understand something. Not doing something isn't a positive. Because right now, there are all those sexual predators out there are still practicing their craft. There are situations where we've seen where a sexual predator would come to New York State. Because they know New York State has the hardest on the victim statute of limitations. And don't believe for a second that there aren't sexual predators out there that talk to other You're ones in there. You're saying the state uh, actually acts like a beacon for sexual predators because of its laws not having such a large statute of limitations? Yes. Oh, my. Uh, imagine that if you abuse someone who's 17 or 18 years old in New York State, you only have to wait five years and you're off the hook. You can't be prosecuted. You can't even be arrested. And in other states, geez, gosh, you know, it's like decades. So if you – and think of how easy it is for the teacher, the basketball coach, the traveling group, the school play, the high school visiting New York City or Niagara Falls or upstate New York to visit the capital, and they're from another state. You can get away with it easier here in New York than you can other states. Well, unfortunately, our time is up. I don't want to end on such a horrible feeling about New York State. Do you have any closing thoughts for us? You have to realize that sex abuse is one of four girls, one of six boys. It's a real-life stat. If you don't believe me, next time you're hanging out with your girlfriends or the bunch of guys are hanging out somewhere, just say, hey, anybody mess around with you when you were a kid? Guarantee someone in that group is going to say, yeah, if they, they're brave enough. And if no one says anything, I'm sure someone has. But here in New York State, we have the chance to change this. This is evolution, not revolution. This is evolution. Just like we were talking about those suffragettes and civil rights. Civil rights isn't perfect yet. Gay marriage isn't right, perfect yet. But these are people that have gotten their rights from the people by the people, and they have to understand that, and the people who don't understand have to learn it. It's the same thing with sex abuse. We're not putting up with it anymore. We're not going to not discuss it anymore. We're not going to tell the victim or the young lady that you know you should be embarrassed for letting that happen to you. No. That's what it comes down to. And some people out there, and relax. There's a lot of very good people out there. I, I, I know the hundreds of more good-hearted priests who are real men and women of the, the cloth and of the church and of their religions, of all different types of religions. I've met them. I've talked to them. I've conversed with them. So there's, there's bad apples everywhere. But in your state, majority of them are good. But if you were a parent, do you want to have 92% of your neighbors be good, 96% of your neighbors be good, or do you want to protect your child? So you check in it all the time. And if you want to know how to do some good and feel a little bit better about all these bad things that would bother you, because you're normal like everyone else, next time you see your senator, ask him what he or she is doing about the Child Victims Act, because you would like the children you know, or the grandchildren, or your nieces, nephews, or even your co-workers' children to be protected. Then you can do some good and you can feel better. Very good. Thank you. You're welcome.